What do happiness and sound real estate investment have in common? It's all about location on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings. Welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. Pleased that you are making us a part of your day, wherever you are in the world and however you may be listening. We just thank you for taking us with you. We've got a fine show for you this week. We do want to remind you that if you are a fan of the podcast, there is more audio content that comes to you each and every week from the folks at Live Happy. Live Happy Radio airs every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on Radio.com and on 98.7 K-Love in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Now, when you go on Radio.com, you do have to search for KLUV 98.7 FM in Dallas. Click on it, and then at 8 o'clock Central Time, the show comes on, because that's when it comes on on 98.7 KLUV, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Each week, we present a guest, a happy activist, and some facts about positive psychology that you can use and apply to your life. We would appreciate it very, very much. If you would check us out. All right, now on with the podcast. Our guest this week is Dan Butner, a National Geographic fellow and New York Times bestselling author of The Blue Zones. We've talked about his work on this show many, many times before, and we're excited to have him here. He's launched a major public health initiative to transform cities based on principles from his book. And our Live Happy Science editor, Paula Phelps, caught up with Dan. Well, Dan, I'm so happy to have you with us today because we do talk about the Blue Zones quite a bit. Um, and one thing I'm excited about is uh, for you to be able to tell our listeners in a nutshell what the Blue Zones are. Well, originally they were areas around the world where people live the longest, but the concept has really expanded to the set of characteristics that explain longevity and now with this new book, Blue Zones of Happiness, also explain uh, happiness. And the idea for both of these projects, these related projects, was to find the statistically longest lived and happiest places and then, in a sense, reverse engineer what they do to provide a prescriptive for the rest of us who would like to live longer and better. Yeah, because I know in the past the, the research has really focused on that longevity aspect, and I think we've really clung to that and looked at some of the things that we could do to have longer, healthier lives. And so with the attention to happiness, what, what made you make that shift and, and start emphasizing the happiness aspect in addition to the longevity? Well, it's the realization that longevity and, and happiness are uh, inextricably linked. They're, they're so tangled that to try to pull one out from the other, um, you, you, you just can't do it. They, they, the two of them occur, occur in in unison and synergistically so it's um you know as as you you may know from my blue zones work you know in america we tend to focus on diet and and uh, exercise as a 
as a recipe for health and living longer. But it is crystal clear that places where people live a long time, they're not focusing on what they eat. They're not pumping iron. They're not doing triathlon. It, there's a whole cluster of behaviors and uh, environmental characteristics that explain longevity, things like purpose, things like having the right social network, things like uh, belonging to a faith-based community. And all of those are also components to, to uh, happiness. So a lot of the Blue Zones of Happiness reinforce those themes, but they just do so under, I would guess, a, a more directed um, a rubric of, of uh, the living better as opposed to just living longer. Yeah, and, and what's so effective is you give great little illustrations of these different areas and how they accomplish it so well. And, and one of the things that you talk about are the three P's of happiness. Can you tell us what those are and, and then explain why they're so important? Yes. So happiness is a meaningless term in academia. Uh, you, don't, you never want to talk to scientists about happiness because it means nothing. Uh, but <laughs> what we come to think of, it, of a, a happiness is really a composite of several characteristics of our lives. So one of those is life satisfaction or the pride we have with our lives. And that's measured by, when I ask you to think of your life as a whole, on a scale of 1 to 10, you tell me. And um, people, it turns out, evaluate their lives fairly accurately, especially on the aggregate. So that's the first P. I call that pride. The second P is pleasure, which is how you experience your life day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And it's a really a different concept than how we evaluate our lives. For example, um, this afternoon, uh, I might sit on the porch and drink beer all afternoon and really enjoy that, uh, but I won't get much done. So at the end of the day, when I evaluate my day, it might not be very high. So, that, you know, in a way, they're sometimes mutually exclusive, but there's sometimes you can do uh, you can do some things and get both pride and, pride and pleasure on them. And then the third concept is purpose. And that's measured by Gallup and other organizations by did you do something new and different every day. So, And there yet a third set of things you can do to augment the purpose element of your life. But I argue at the end of the day, we all need a balanced portfolio. Just as you need cash bonds and stocks in your financial portfolio, in your happiness um, portfolio, you need to uh, experience your life well day to day. You need to be able to evaluate it and have pride in it, and you also have to live it with purpose. And now, you, is one more important than the other? Is there no. one? That, no, really. No, I, I no because that where where we get in trouble is when we go for the extreme. So we do need money. Does buy happiness, as you probably know from from uh, your coverage on the topic. But at a certain point, depends where you live in the country. But you know, on average, seventy-five thousand dollars. More money is not mm-hmm. going to buy any more day-to-day experience happiness, but it will buy more uh, life satisfaction. So if you're making $100,000 a year and you're just working your butt off all day long um, and and stressed and, and not enjoying the, the company of friends, um, it doesn't make sense to work harder and make more money. On the other hand, if you're completely broke, 
and uh, you don't have your basic needs covered, well then actually working more will bring you more happiness. So I would say the big kind of light I shed on the topic of happiness is um, you, you need this, you need to focus on all three and balance the portfolio uh, if you want authentic quote-unquote happiness. Yeah. Is it something that you need every day or because there's some, some days we're just not going to have pleasure in our lives. There's, you know, deadlines, things like that. Um, but is that something on a whole, like how often do you need all of these components? How, do, how often do you need to experience them? So the, the way I frame the whole thing, you know, we, there's been this 15 or 20 years where positive psychology has been such a, a big topic. And th these sort of lab-tested strategies to get more positivity in our lives through meditation or through, po through uh, generosity and gratitude and savoring, et cetera. Um, but I argue that, you know, trying day by day to increase your happiness will more than likely make you less happy. And even if it does work, most people can't stick with the program more than about nine months. So occasionally short-term success, almost always a long-term failure. So to your question about day-to-day -day pleasures, what I try to talk about in Blue Zones of Happiness is how you set up your life so you're more likely to be happy every day without trying to guarantee every day is going to be happier. So, you know, a few things. Uh, for most of us, having five to six hours of, of social interaction is going to stack the deck in favor of happiness. Getting at least seven and a half hours of sleep for most of us. Don't be penny-wise and palm-foolish palm with sleep. Starting your day with a complex carbohydrate, not a real fatty breakfast, and eating seven servings of vegetables a day. Um, taking a nap, doing, spending not full-time, but part-time at least every day, uh, working at a job, a volunteer, or a passion pursuit that that allows you to live out your values, do meaningful work, and give you a feeling like you're contributing. Um, so and all of those... Let me ask you, because, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but on that job especially, that's something we talk about quite a bit. We deal with work topics frequently with Live Happy. And uh, if you have a job that you're not happy with, you also mentioned doing some other pursuit. So can you offset the unhappiness of the job by volunteering or having a hobby or something like that? Well, I wouldn't say offset, but you could you could augment your happiness. So you may need you may need to do your job to cover basics in life. Everybody needs food, shelter, health care, some education, some mobility, you know, some feeling of security. So some people just have to work. And to your point, if you look at Gallup data, only about 31% of Americans actually like their jobs. So the vast majority, over two thirds of us, don't like our jobs. But Coming home from that work, you know, I, I, minimizing it, you're, you're much more likely to be happy if you're working less than eight hours a day. Um, but trying to give yourself some bandwidth to volunteer, to put your, uh, your passions and your, uh, the things you like to do and the things that you can contribute to work, either through volunteering or some hobby or some sort of social outlet, uh, the wrong thing to do is work so hard, come home exhausted, and watch the average 4.4 hours of TV like most Americans do. That's just a recipe for a crappy life. 
One thing you talk about is moving to a place where you'll be happy, and your book talks about ways to find your happy place, but people are going to say that you can't just pick up and move simply because you want to be happier. So what would you say to them? Well, the, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the average American moves about 10 times in their adult life. So that's wow. 10 opportunities. So if you're, if you're truly interested in the happiness and health of your family and yourself, you, you would pay attention to how important it is where you live is in the whole kind of recipe of happiness. If you can't move in the city, if you can't move away from the city you're in, and I understand that. A few things you should try to do is move closer to your work. As we pointed out, this is Daniel Kahneman's work, and the least favorite thing we like to do day-to-day is sit in traffic. Um, you're more likely to walk to work if you live closer to it. Um, you want to live in a neighborhood with sidewalks. It's a hallmark of a – you want to live on a block where everybody has more or less the same status as you. Your realtor will tell you to – buy the most inexpensive house in the block. But I'll tell you to buy the one like everybody else's because you neither want to stick out too much nor do you want to be reminded by all the stuff you don't have by moving in with near rich people. No, oh, interesting. Psychologically speaking. You want to be close to parks, trees. If you live near water, uh, you're about 10% more likely to be happy than if you don't live by water. There's a similar effect living near mountains. So these are all things to look at to stack the deck in favor of happiness. And again, we should point out the same thing that's that's accounting for happiness also contributes to longevity. Is that correct? Health and happiness are inextricably linked. You cannot pull them apart. So maybe you don't want to tell someone you want to move to be happier, but you can tell them you're moving for your health, and, and that would make more sense to them, wouldn't it? Yeah, so we did, you know, my previous work over the Blue Zones, uh, studying the longest lived parts of the world, uh, I'd say there's about an 80% overlap in the characteristics of a place where people live a long time and a place where people report the highest levels of well-being. Is there any one thing about uh, the well-being aspect that stands out that, that isn't like the Blue Zones in terms of longevity? Is there anything that you found that makes him a little bit different? Because you said there's about 80% overlap. What, what are some of the differences you might see? Finding a job, I think, that suits your passions, not just your pay, is probably more prescriptive for happiness than it is for longevity. I would say making sure that your friends are happy, um, not just healthy behaviors. If, you're, if your friends are unhappy, that's contagious. So you might have healthy, unhappy friends, and they may be encouraging your eating habits, your physical activity, but they may be a buzzkill <laughs> between the two. Um, it probably comes more in, in um, how you plan your life. Um, part of a big chunk of happiness is making sure that you enjoy your day enough but you're also doing the things that's going to make you feel proud of your life, be satisfied with your lives. And those require um, good education. They require that you you save and invest to a level of financial security. Uh, it requires that um, you're doing the things that your 
your culture and your community and your, to the extent your family expects of you. These are things that are important in the sort of evaluation or pride element of happiness that aren't so important when it comes to longevity. I'd also say that um, focusing on your immediate social network, more important than diets and exercise programs is identify five people whose idea of of physical idea of recreation is playing golf or tennis or biking or gardening or walking. They're vegetarians uh, or vegans, even better. Not to say that you have to be one, but they will influence you. They care about you and that they're happy themselves. And if you hang out with those five people, and I mean see them on a day-to-day -day basis, it is almost the surest thing you can do uh, for the long run to favor both uh, making it to a healthy age 90 or 95 and enjoying the journey. That's fantastic because I think we focus too much sometimes on on the longevity and maybe not enough about how well we're going to feel getting there. Yes, so. but I will tell you <clears throat> after interviewing about 300 centenarians, I didn't find a grump in the bunch. In other <laughs> words, the, the cantankerous ones, they're all dead. They've been thinned out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if you can manage your life into the upper top quintile of happiness, it's worth about eight extra years of life expectancy. So it's almost as almost as good for you as quitting a smoking habit. So it's, it's a really worthwhile pursuit. That's terrific. Well, Dan, I appreciate you taking time with us. Uh, the Blue Zones of Happiness is, I really enjoyed this because it takes so much of the research that, you know, we've known from longevity and, and really puts it down in ways that we can apply it personally. Everyone listening is going to benefit from uh, picking up a copy and learning a little more. Well, I was delighted to talk to you again. Thank you so much. If you'd like to learn more about Blue Zones and how you can live an authentically happy life, visit livehappynow.com. While you're online, make sure to let us know what you thought of this episode of the podcast. You can do so by going on Twitter at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy, or send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. That's all the time we have, so until next time, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy.